my boy. That's pure speculation. One would wonder. One would wonder. This is the second segment of the Rogue Philosopher speculation. Rogue Philosopher speculates on the nature of matter um, and reality. Is is it alive? Uh, panpsychism. The second piece now, I want to transition more into an attempt at answering the question, are we or are we not in a simulation right now? Uh, I'm going to give some assertions for pro-simulation and a few more for con-simulation, some speculation about what is the simulation, who would build it, why would they build it, if so, what rules would they perhaps be following? Um, I can extrapolate that from past escapist entertainment drugs technology whatever you want to call it uh or some some semblance of uh, how rules govern recreational camping all the way from camping to drinking and drug use um another extraordinary thing that needs to be mentioned right now off the bat any speculation that i'm going to be giving this isn't this is using philosophical methods but it's not Poor, uh, pure philosophy, per se. Um, but my assertions will come from knowledge about the past. And the first thing that I've got to mention right now is if we're in one, if this is, is a simulation, they're able to entirely erase our memory before we jack into the simulation and start playing the game. Now, why... First of all, why would they need or want a simulation such as this? And I, I reason the following. In this future time, whatever it is, the need to go back in time and experience history or to experience other realms in the simulation, it could either be for recreation, it could be for research, or it could be for therapeutic purposes. There's a case to be made that if the future, whatever they're dealing with in the future, there could be developmental issues or problems, there might be emotional dysregulation, it might be living underground, who knows how bad the environment is or what the nature of it is. And they would have found, possibly, that doing the simulation has some kind of an effect once the person is let out of it at the end of it. Because then they'll remember everything. Presumably, you'll remember both your time and your identity in the simulation, and you'll remember your prior identity after you come out of the simulation, after you wake up. Now, there's no way, none, I think Chris even mentioned this to me at one point earlier on in this discussions, there is no way, none, that I or anybody else can conclusively demonstrate right now, from now, that whatever I remember happened, up until this very moment, I assume it was reality because I remember experiencing it and I remember it and I have memories of it and the memories tell me what the... Okay, well, for all I know, this simulation may have just started in this instant. My memories are planted. They're false. Nothing ever happened before. Uh, starting now, though, every, and only now, everything is real. But before this moment, making my tea, whatever, all of that, heating the tea up, pouring it into the cup... That would be phony. It's only real now, this instant, now. And everything before this, you know, a lot of years of life, implanted. 
And we have to assume they'd be good enough to do this, because after all, they're good enough to erase uh, our memory. Assuming we're in a simulation, they have enough skill and know-how to erase the memory entirely of a player, of their former identity. Now, you'd think, playing a game, you'd kind of want to know who you are. In all of our games that we have now, you know who you were before you started playing, and you know who you are during the game. You, you still have some connection to your past outside of the game, but in the game, you're following different rules. You're in a different level of consciousness. It's a lot like ritual space when you're in a game situation. It's a liminal space. You're uh, watching a movie. It's the same thing. It's a liminal space. You're open to suggestion more so than you normally would be. And so in the game, as they stand now, even virtual reality, you've gone from your normal day-to-day -day life and you've transitioned into a, a sacred space, a place where anything is possible in ritual space or in gaming space. You're suspending the rules of ordinary day-to-day -day life and you're instilling a new set of rules, a new set of values. And hence, a higher form, a new form of consciousness that's related to the game. So if we're in this simulation, they would have had to have understood this pretty well and determined that that's not enough. It's not, either it's not therapeutic enough for the person in the simulation, it really has to be erased, their memory prior to the simulation can't be allowed to interfere, or they figured out that it's most entertaining if you think you're the person in this simulation and you're totally associated with that identity and you have no memory at all of before you jacked into it. Now, it could be on a few rare occasions that inside this simulation, there's a glitch. They talk about glitches in the Matrix. Well, there may be. When you have a three-year-old kid, and this is documented, who starts talking about being an airline pilot in World War II and is mentioning stuff that that kid shouldn't know about, it, it kind of interests one in, well, is there reincarnation? Is there reincarnation? Well, from this assertion, I would have to call that memory of the prior, of a prior attempt to do the simulation. <clears throat> you remember the last game you played, reincarnation. And it doesn't, it, for whatever reason, they're able to erase the memories of before you enter the simulation, but when memories of a prior game in the simulation start to bleed into the reality you're in at the present, there are occasionally are minor glitches. And you have memories of it uh, in pieces. Yeah, a few, a few vision shots here and there, a few pictures, a few snapshots. Uh, to a certain point, even fully interconnected episodic memory. Why would do that for the game and not for the who you were before you came into the simulation... I, I can't speculate. I don't. I d couldn't understand how that can be. But whatever memory control that they have, it's almost 100% effective. And usually, even these children who remember their quote-unquote past lives, after a certain age, they lose their connection to those memories. They lose their ability to recall them as clearly or to put themselves back into that place. For whatever reason, the filters of being a very small child, you're open to the experience. But as you age and your identity gets implanted more, your environment helps determine your identity more solidly, you lose your ability to go back and to recall 
those previous adventures in the simulation. Now, for what are they using the simulation? I've mentioned therapy, and I've mentioned entertainment, and I've mentioned research. So, to make the case for entertainment, of course, is very simple. I don't even need to go into it. Life is horrible, people are bored, they want to go do something exciting. Fallout 4 looks like child's play. Let's do the simulation, you know? Uh, for research, well, how often do we ask the question in history, what would it have been like to be in dot dot dot? I'd like to experience what it was like to be in dot dot dot. What was it like to be uh, a small person at the end of the American century, at the end of American civilization as we know it, in our decadence? What was it like to watch from a distance the prior administration and our transition to this administration? What was it like before, let's say, the Great Fall or the Great Collapse or the Great Culling or God only knows what catastrophe is headed our way in the near future? And the, in order to get more insight, you have academics, you have interested history buffs, how, whatever the case may be, who use simulations such as this to increase their insight into it, to increase their learning. I've mentioned entertainment very briefly, I don't have to go into it, uh, for therapy. Now, Soren Kierkegaard used to talk about, and so did Dostoevsky, if you put people into a perfect world and you satisfied all their needs, you gave them everything they could ever want, and you constructed a, a place for them that was absolutely safe, people would go mad. Uh, when Kierkegaard spoke of it in uh, Fear and Trembling, he talked about how... And he thought this himself. We had reached the point where life was no longer difficult enough to convince people to live. And that given this, they would be encumbered on themselves to increase the difficulty of their own life. They would have to in order to maintain their health, whatever the case may be. Their spiritual awareness, their, their amount of personal insight. Now it could be that there are therapeutic advantages to losing your current identity, going back into the simulation and going either backwards in time or wherever it is you go, and totally immersing yourself in it so much that you no longer have a connection to who you were outside the sim. And the only reality for you is what's inside. And that might account for some people who appear to have lives of tremendous suffering, they, they, you just can't believe in a just God and, and see what some people go through and the unfairness of it, the calamity of it. But if this is a simulation and you were to set it up this way and putting somebody in that situation would force them to have greater insight into what makes a person a person and that they could heal from that outside the simulation, not inside, that experiencing severe mental illness or physical illness or somehow handicaps when you leave the simulation and you're back in your ordinary day-to-day -day life, you might have greater insight into how to live a better life, or it may have a therapeutic effect the way we know psilocybin does now. You take a trip in a psilocybin and you come out of it far more open, gentler, uh, more interconnected. You are said to have feelings of interconnectedness with other human beings and with nature. So, what else? These simulations would probably be tightly regulated, very tightly regulated. Now, consider this. If, it's, if we're in a simulation now, we know what the rules of physics are, we know the rules of gravity and all that. It's a simulation. Why? 
If it's for research purposes, you're trying to mimic reality as best you can for research purposes. But if you just wanted to have fun in the simulation, why not build a simulation where magic is real or alchemy works, where there where there are dragons, where there are you know where there are uh, portals to other dimensions? Why not Why not go all out? Why have it be just a boring, mundane simulation that that doesn't appear to offer you much? except a more of a dose of the real world with real world rules and a lot of misery to go with it. Why wouldn't you? One answer is there'd be laws against it. There'd be laws regulating it, uh, that you can only create a simulation for one reason or another that's regulated to stay within the bounds of reality as we understood it, as we understand it now and as we understood it in history. Uh, so you can't say it's the year 2121. Why don't we go ahead and, uh, or 2021, rather, why don't we go ahead and have, uh, you know, dwarves and elves and gnomes and uh, magicians and alchemy and magic? Why don't we have these things? Make it more exciting. Make it more interesting. Because there'd be laws against it. I mean, there are already laws against our taking drugs, some of which are dangerous, some of which are not. But there are laws against us taking drugs for certain experiences because those experiences are ruled for one reason or for another reason to be um, unreachable or to be somehow morally corrupting, these drugs are mostly harmless. Even even harder drugs, if people could take them without becoming addicted a few times a year, why is it bad to take some cocaine? Why? When in South America they drink coca tea, it's very mild. It's the healing. The plant is a very healing plant when it isn't refined into cocaine. The coca leaves are very good. They're, they're energizing. They're stimulating for your mind. They're, they're very healing and they're soothing because there's a lot of other chemicals in those leaves that are beneficial. I mean, all of South America, especially northern South America, you have people drinking every day, drinking coca tea, one or two cups of Lipton coca tea. Yet we're not allowed to do that here. We're not allowed to drink it here. It's not part of our culture. We're not allowed to chew the leaves, which is nearly harmless to chew the leaves. It's not in our culture. And we're not allowed to take cocaine. It's an extremely dangerous drug. And it kills people. Okay, yes. But what else? It also makes people feel really, really, really good. And we've decided, for whatever reason, Christian principles, puritanic principles, stuff that makes you feel really, really good, whether it hurts you or not has to be tightly regulated and controlled for one reason or for another reason. It has to be tightly controlled, and people are denied legal access to it. So it might be the same for a simulation. You know, the simulation makes you feel really, really good if you can, you know, ride a unicorn or something into a, a valley of, of elves or something. Well, that can't be allowed because it's too. it feels too good, and it's too... who knows why? But certainly it would be regulated as much as we've regulated so many other things arbitrarily because our regulations of drugs is arbitrary. It's, it's entirely, and there's no, not even rational reasons for most of our drug regulations that we've chosen to adhere to in this society. And so why? Well, people don't want to lose touch with reality. So the simulation has to be only used for specific purposes of therapy, which is why we use some of our powerful drugs for therapy or for research, but never for entertainment. You're, you're, you're bounded 
by certain regulations in order for entertainment. You can't be frivolous. You're not allowed to create the Wild West where werewolves eat people. You're not allowed to live out the zombie apocalypse. You know, but we also know from living in the world today that anything in the world that you want, you can get if you have the money for it or if you know the right people, you have the right resources for it. You can still do anything you want. You risk getting imprisoned or killed by the law, but you can still do it. There's no moral compulsion not to uh, be a drug runner for a cartel and fly in and out of the country or to join a drug gang and do all kinds of heroin. There's no, there's nothing, it, it's, it's injunctions of, of humiliation and shame that should prevent you from taking that step. You'd be ashamed, you'd wreck your family, you'd wreck your friendships, you'd wreck your, but you can still do it. And we know that most of the stuff people enjoy in this world, there are legal versions of it and there are illegal versions of it. And if you really know your stuff, neither one is, is barred to you. You can, you can do these things. If you're really you know, anxious enough or desperate enough to feel the need to break these rules, you can break these rules. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, if you really want a bag of cocaine, it's just down the street. It's on the street corner if you want it. If you really do, it's a couple of floors away and maybe a, not even a hundred yards, or it's a key click away. You can go on the dark net. You can have them send you a bag of it in two days you know, or, or special delivery overnight, you have it in the morning the next day. So what I mean to say is that if these simulations are regulated, if you want to do an underground simulation, it shouldn't be impossible to do. There should be ways that you can do it. There would be, there'd be paths to get it somehow. And you'd be able to go into a simulation where you can fly. Or you'd be able to go into a simulation where you can participate in a war and you can experience what the history was like to be in the war. Or who knows? You know, or you can you can experience what it might be like to be a magician or an alchemist. Now in our in our world now, outlandish things don't appear to be manifests. There there are people out there who may have seen a strange creature or a cryptid or a UFO or what have you. But most people, if you ask them, they might have an open mind to the paranormal. They might believe in it, but they're never going to experience it in their lives. And most people on the earth are never going to feel a malevolent presence in a haunted house unless they're sick. And, and oftentimes people who experience some of these things, they have other problems as well. Their, their mind is rendered unstable for one reason or another. And some of them, we do know that certain electromagnetic waves can induce these images in people, their feeling of an extrasensory presence, their feeling of being watched, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an entity, uh, of the presence of God. We have, you know, it's not legal for me to buy it, but if I wanted to go to that lab in Ottawa and have them hook me to the God helmet, in theory I could. It's not, it's not likely that I could manage it, but there's nothing stopping me, in theory, from driving over there, having him put, hook me up to the helmet and zapping my brain, temporal lobe with electromagnetic waves. And so some of our paranormal experiences could be as a result of electromagnetic waves. So, in short, if this is a simulation, we would have to assert that it's a legal simulation, not an illegal one. It's legal because there's nothing really outlandish in this world that appears to happen often enough 
for us to consider it part of our reality. Reality is mundane. Reality is very, very boring. It's bounded within our five senses. It's regulated. You can, you can trust that the laws of physics are uniform. Nothing violates them. Okay? So, but, but if there were other simulations that weren't legal, that's the same as saying there's a million other universes, parallel universes, where anything you want may happen. You, you may get married. You may not. You may get killed by a car on your way to school. You may not. Uh, and in every one of these parallel universes, this is called string theory, which I, I rejected utterly, but this, that would be an explanation as to why string theory would be plausible. It's not, believe me. But you could say that. You have legal and illegal simulations. Now, the idea, the overriding math, I don't know. They're smarter than me about the math. I, I admit that. Uh, but the idea of parallel universes whether they're in a dimension next to ours or in what the Sufis called the imaginal realm, have been around fully formed for at least 1,200 years. We know this. Uh, and Muslims speak of jinn, or genii, okay, genie, like Aladdin's magic lamp. There are any number of realms that the jinn live in, which have different rules from ours. Sometimes the, the planet, the days, are like a hundred years long. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there are Muslim jinn who believe in Allah and they live Muslim life in some realms. And there are other realms next to it where the jinn do not, where they're pagan or Christian. There are some where the jinn have technology very similar to ours. But they still have their kind of their magic, their abilities that are innate to the jinn. They have abilities we don't have, because they're made of different substances. We're made of, of earth. Our bodies, human beings, we're made of earth. Uh, the same elements that you can find in the mud, you can find living in ours, almost like golems. Um, but we also have electricity in us that, that give us full life, our electricity, electricity in our brain, in our nervous system. And so it's like a microcosm of the world, because in the world you have lightning and you have iron and you have all these things. But the jinn are made from fire. And so their substance and their being, their essence in the world, would manifest differently. And they have a lot of what we would consider superpower or magical power, stuff we can't really understand. And, and they're not supposed to cross over these realms. But some Muslims believe they do, and the jinn have an effect on people's day-to-day -day lives, the same as demonic possession in the Christian West. Uh, and, or legend, where one may go out into the wilderness and, and by some magical means or other attempt to harness the power of jinn. Uh, Paracelsus might have called these creatures fire elementals. And some Muslim clerics say that that's the answer for why we have people who say they were abducted by UFOs, aliens, because they're, they're jinn. And the genie mess with human reproduction, too. And there, there's evidence that of people who believe that, that sometimes humans can fall in love with jinn. Uh, for the most part, though, Islam teaches that, that we're not to have dealings with these creatures, both for religious reasons or for safety reasons, and or because their world isn't supposed to touch ours. It's the same in the Celtic uh, lands where they believe in the fae. The jinn and the fae... Uh, look very similar across you know across those different cultures they're interacted with and interpreted in uh, somewhat similar ways 
and the world of of the Fae, the Tir Nanog, the the or the you know don't even get me to try to pronounce the 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 Tuachadanan or whatever they're called, um, that used to live in Ireland. At one point, the Ireland was theirs, and they were conquered by humans. And then eventually, when the Christians came to Ireland, they were they were fully uh, um, suppressed by. But in any case, there 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 are similarities in in the way the Celts and the way the the Muslim uh, Muslim peoples, different different countries, different continents. But they seem similar. They, it feels, as an outsider reading it, looking at their culture, reading it in uh, a second language, it seems to have many of the same features and to share common elements and aspects. Even though both, if you ask them and you could speak Arabic or Gaelic or whatever, they they could tell you that it's not the same at all and why they're different and why the one is is more attuned to their way, view the way that they see the world or to uh, not to be. And and they could give you a straighter answer, but we, from a, a distance, comparative mythology, it it looks as though they're very similar. Um, they're they're probably deep down they're not, uh, but they look similar because we've translated these myths into our language into English, and we tend to use the same words for similar sounding concepts, uh, no matter what culture we apply it to. So in other words, part of the comparative mythological analysis is flawed because we have forced meanings onto the words that describe the phenomena that give it a false sense of of identical nature it's it's falsely considered similar right but in other words the the idea of string theory and parallel universes and parallel dimensions and all that sufis have been gr- grappling with those ideas for centuries Okay, for centuries, there's nothing original about string theory except the numbers. Okay, and uh, and I'm I'm taking a gigantic risk. I don't really have the right to tread in that territory because I'm not a physicist. I'm a I'm a wannabe philosopher, and I don't understand the math. But I tell you, I tell you that string theory is wrong. It has to be. It just it doesn't make sense, even from a metaphorical perspective. String theory doesn't make sense. Okay, it doesn't. And I've I've talked about dark matter and dark energy before, which also doesn't make sense. And the idea of the Big Bang and Genesis, which are exactly the same, which also doesn't make sense. But I, I, I won't go into that so much here. But I just I want to bring it up to speculate that if you have parallel simulations in the memory bank, why wouldn't you build simulations that conform to these ideas? Why not have different realms? where you can play with some of these ideas as though they were real and experiment with them or, or have fun with them or whatever, it would be tightly regulated, perhaps. So I said I've given some statements pro and con for are we in a simulation or are we not. I've kind of mashed them all together without necessarily delineating which one exactly is which, but I hope that it's pretty obvious which ones are pro-simulacrum and which ones are con. Now, the idea of, of living matter, you might think, well, if the panpsychism in matter is true and can be demonstrated, well, that proves it. We are in a simulation. I, I think not. If we prove that matter has some semblance of, of proto-consciousness 
and that the field, the, the, there's a force like an energy field that binds everything in it and everything in this universe is built of different phases of energy in solid, liquid, gaseous plasma or some other state that we don't understand yet. We haven't built the machines to detect it, but we will. That these things are all energy at various levels of, sp of speed or of slowing it down or speeding it the way water is. Water is solid, liquid, or gas, or steam. That might, in fact, disprove that we're in a simulation. Because if we were in a simulation, ultimately, if, if people built it with a computer, at the core of that simulation, you'd find numbers. You wouldn't find quarks and smaller and smaller pieces, and where is the electron? Is it here? Is it there? How fast is it going? You'd find ones and zeros. You'd find numbers. Even in a quantum computer, unless there was a way to trick your memory or to trick your senses, so that if you observe the numbers that are ones or zeros, apparently, that make up the simulation, you would be tricked into, and deceived into seeing it as another phase of, of, of matter, electron microscope type stuff, uh, readings on it, what, what do you use? Computers to run that simulation, to run the, the super collider, the hadron collider, those are all computers, but it would be the expectation would be that you would be more likely through these sciences to discover that we are in a simulation if we're in one. It'd be eventually easy enough to figure that out. We'll have the right numbers. And maybe that's what it means. when, In our future, when they've actually made the simulation, and you can upload your consciousness, that they discovered something in quantum physics that proved once and for all that we're already in the simulation, and that all of this, in fact, is a simulation. Now, one would think that if you keep seeing that it's material all the way down, it's matter, it's matter, it's matter, this would negate the idea of, of, a, of an ordered, organized simulation. Uh, if you were a Pythagorean from ancient Greece, you know, you, you might interpret it otherwise, but either it is numbers or it's not numbers. And so... Judging by the rules that the world follows, the rules of physics, the laws of physics and science and human behavior and countries, I lean towards that we're not in a simulation, even though mathematically it's more probable that we are. It's more probable that we are. The mathematicians figured out a way to calculate the numbers that there's only one realm that's not, and all the other realms that could be are, and that the chances we're in another realm that is a simulation are like a million to one for it. I don't play games with math like that. It, it could be defensible. It's a mathematical equation. The math says we're in a simulation, that they built it, they, they figured it out, and they beamed us back in. I, I tend to lean towards the fact that we're not in one, that what we're in, this world is this world, it's still ahead of us to build the singularity. We haven't managed to get there yet, but of course there's no way to prove or disprove this. That's why it's speculation. Uh, Descartes couldn't figure this out either, and, and ultimately neither can I. I can only try to go by patterns, guesswork, and uh, speculation, and assertions that may or may not even be t properly defensible, but I've tried to use a structure of basic logic, philosophical um, methodology to try to present some points that that demonstrate pro or con, that we are or that we aren't. And I tend to think we're not. I think the, the, the rules of the world are too uniform. 
they're, 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 you know, the propensity people have to break the law when they're forbidden to do so, which should make it more likely that we're living in a simulation where the laws are being broken, the regulations by the singularity police are being violated, and yet we don't appear to be. You know, if we really were in a simulation and the, and the human propensity of the majority of the time is to bend or break the rules, why aren't there snake people living in the middle of the earth as far as we know? Why aren't there demons? Why aren't there, why doesn't witchcraft seem to work outside of, of uh, phenomenological experience? You really, we really can't prove that magic exists. We can demonstrate that people have experiences that are, are powerful, that change them. But these experiences don't appear to change the world outside of them, uh, for good or for ill. It's very difficult to determine that. The experiences appear to be entirely in the mind or heart of the person experiencing them. So, we'd have to conclude, well, people experience it. From the phenomenologist's standpoint, magic is real. And phenomenologists aren't necessarily as bent on proving or disproving such things. They just they accept that people have such experiences. That's their starting point. If you experience it, accept it as your reality, then it's your reality. But we don't live in a world that seems to violate its own laws. We don't live in a very fun world for most people. You have to have a lot of monopoly money to have a lot of fun. And even then, you know, maybe it's for other reasons, it's not as fun as, as, as uh, we think it might be. But if we're in a simulation, the odds should favor being in a world that's violating its laws, in a world that has magic and alchemy exist and they're real and they're true. It should be more likely that that's our world and not this world we're living in now, which is very boring, although there are still mysteries unsolved and, and certain things undiscovered, including experiences in the human brain undiscovered. We still have a long, long way to go. We're, we're a very primitive people at this stage. And we still have a long ways to go yet before we fully harness the, the gift of consciousness and the healing ability of the brain, for example, or the uh, experiences of reality that we could have, uh, or, or curing diseases or what, what have you. It should be more likely that we're in a simulation where elves are real than that we're in this one. So I tentatively assert that in spite of the odds being that we are in one, according to the mathematicians, this is without looking at some of my books too, by the way, which I'm going to read through them in the near future. My assertion is that we are in fact not living in a simulation. Even experiences like DMT, which is very suggestive of what I've read about the DMT experience, people do see elves building the world. And when they take the DMT and they come into the DMT space, it's as though they're remembering now they know who they are before they went into the simulation and these beautiful sphere creatures that are always so playful and happy and, and loving and gentle that welcome them back. And the people who take the DMT report not wanting to return here. I, I, could you blame them? No. And DMT, it is suggestive that we're in a simulation. It is suggestive that somehow part of the technology that accesses that that world is that DMT is the simulation, or in some way, the key for the simulation, like a USB drive, is DMT. Uh, but we haven't conclusively determined this, that there are other realms, and that DMT helps us access them. People experience that, but we have yet to determine fully, is this in fact the case? Because when we build the singularity, 
We're going to know all that stuff. We're going to finally know for certain. Are there other realms with DMT? Are there parallel universes that you can access through spiritual, not through scientific uh, energy fields? Are we, in fact, in a simulation or not? We're not. We're not in a simulation. This, the, what we see is what we get. The world is as the world is. There are wonders in this world still that we can't explain just yet, that we don't know the answers for. But for the most part, the world is mundane, and the world is we have to work with what we have to work with. It's a lot of mud and a lot of pain and a lot of very down-to-earth, difficult things that, for whatever reason, they'd build a simulation like this out of a singularity. This is probably most likely, if they had built a simulation, it's most likely the one specifically for research and, and less so for therapy and less so for entertainment. But still, even having, having mentioned that, I say we're not in a simulation. This is not the singularity. Even if we've invented it in a future time, we haven't subjected the entire populace of the Earth as we see it right now to be in the simulation. And if we're in the Matrix and we're held prisoner for some reason or another, which is pretty spooky if you think about it, I don't think I would be joining Neo. I think I'd be just as happy to stay in the goddamn Matrix. I wouldn't be some freedom fighter. I'm like, no, leave me alone. I want to, Let me stay in the Matrix. I want to live in the, that world up there. Screw that, where everything is dead. Why would you want to live that way? No, leave me in the Matrix. And as far as we can tell, except for the rare occasions, like five occasions, where you have people claiming to be time travelers, you, you don't have people, uh, or, or somebody who came from that strange country, what was it, begins with a G, where they had a passport for a country that doesn't exist where France is today. But that was one occasion out of billions and billions. Every day, millions of people traveling through those airports in France and in the Netherlands every single day. And in, in the history of the last hundred years, we have one example, one, where somebody may have come from a parallel universe and had a strange-looking passport. And we can't even... I mean, that. who knows if that was made up? Who knows? So in spite of, of urban legend and in spite of, even in spite of rich and intense paranormal experiences that people have who are practicing magicians or religious, the reality they tap into has to do with the human mind and the human heart. And the reality that we live in is the reality we live in. It is solid, it's real, here, in as far as we can determine its reality. We're in the one that's real. We're not in the singularity we're not in we're not simulacra living out a simulated life with our memories erased so that we can experience the whole of it uh, untainted by our former identities although it's tempting to consider that it is it's it's an intriguing point which i promise to get back to uh with revision because this is again this is speculation rogue philosopher speculates on the singularity so i have to suppose supposition finally in this moment in time we're not in the simulation what we see is what we get, and everything we have here before us is what really is here. And although that may be a disappointing conclusion. Um, in any case, um, thank you for listening. This is, it's amazing that any of you are listening at all to this. It's, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. Thank you again. And this ends this segment. I may do another. I may start on a new episode next one. I'm not sure yet. But, for this moment, this is the end of this speculation. We will meet again under the shadow of the lily.
my boy, that's pure speculation. One would wonder. 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 One would wonder.